Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. Many years ago, a young Midwestern lawyer suffered from such deep depression that his friends thought it would be best to keep all knives, razors, completely out of his reach. He questioned his life's calling and the prudence of even attempting to follow through in life. During this difficult time, he wrote, I am now the most miserable man living. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. I awfully forebode I shall not. But somehow, from somewhere, that man, Abraham Lincoln, received the encouragement he needed and the achievements of his life thoroughly vindicated this bout with discouragement. You know, it seems like a cruel philosophy. Why should anyone need to suffer? A.W. Tozer once said, it is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. Now, in my assessment, no life evidences this more than the life of Joseph. You know, in our last program, we left Joseph alone in prison. Now, after a gap of two full years, we're going to pick up the story again. You know, when we had left Joseph, he had told the cupbearer two years earlier, hey, now that I've told you the meaning of your dream, don't forget me. Keep me in mind. You know, when you get promoted, remember to mention me to the Pharaoh and get me out of this place. Remember me. Well, the cupbearer failed to remember or failed to mention Joseph. Only three days after Joseph had said this, the man was released and he was restored to his former position. But he promptly forgot all about his days in the dungeon as well as his cellmate, Joseph. Two full years passed after that event, a long time to be forgotten. Here is another time in the story of Joseph that we find ourselves saying, after all that, after everything that Joseph has gone through, why would something like this happen? He had been obedient, and God had promoted him because God was with him. God was still with Joseph. God was still at work in Joseph's life. You know, another Bible character that learned through hardship was Job. Dear old Job, beaten black and blue by calamity. The death of a, ten children, can you imagine that? The destruction of his home, the loss of everything that this man owned, including his own health. In uh, chapter 23 of Job, he's saying, I, I wish I could find God. I wish he and I could just sit down and talk openly about my situation. And I could ask him, why am I going through these things? I want to have all my why questions answered. I want to have all of my how long problems solved. Despite everything he has been through, Job still believes that God will listen to him. He says, would he slap me across the face and say, be quiet, Job, and sit there? No. He says he would pay attention to me. 
Now, though he believes this, Job still questions why. What is God doing? I don't know. Where is he? I can't find him. What he sees, I can't see. But he says, but, but this I know. This I know. This is great, he says in verse 10. When he has tried me. You see, Job is not saying, when he has tried me, I will make a million dollars. Or when he has tried me, I'll get back everything I lost. Or when he has tried me, my wife will say she's sorry and everything will be right again. Or, or when he's tried me, everything will be as it once was. No, it's not the externals that are promised, but rather the internals. The Lord promised Job, when this process is finished, you will come forth as gold. Then you'll be ready to serve where I choose. Then you'll be able to handle any promotion that comes your way. This is where Joseph was when we left him. He's still in process. His gold was still being refined. His, his heart was still being broken by affliction and abandonment. These two full years for Joseph were neither exciting nor eventful. They presented a long, dull, monotonous, unspectacular, slow-moving grind, month after month of nothing. Not even the Genesis account tries to make those years seem meaningful well, because they weren't. You see, that's what it's like when you're in a period of waiting, a holding pattern. Nothing is happening. You wait, you wait, you wait. But on the other hand, it only seems like nothing is happening. In reality, a lot is happening. Events are occurring apart from our own involvement. And furthermore, we're being strengthened. We're being established. We're being perfected. We're being refined, refined into pure gold. So we're back to our earlier statement. Joseph, well, he was being shaped for greatness. After those two full years, Joseph experienced, well, we can call a turning point in his life. On a day that seemed like any other day, the morning dawned like any other morning over the previous two years, just like the morning dawned before Moses saw the burning bush, just like the morning dawned before David was anointed by Samuel as the king-elect. For Joseph, just another dungeon day, except for one little matter that Joseph knew nothing about. You see, the night before, Pharaoh had a bad dream. It is recorded in the book of Genesis in chapter 41, beginning at verse 1. Now it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he was standing by the Nile, and lo, from the Nile there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed in the marsh grass. Then, behold, seven other cows 
came up after them from the Nile, ugly and gaunt. And they stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. Well, the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven sleek and fat cows. Then Pharaoh awoke. He fell asleep and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain came up on a single stalk, plump and good. Then behold, seven ears thin and scorched by the east wind sprouted up after them. The thin ears swallowed up the seven plump and full ears. Then Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. The king of the land had a dream. And in it, he saw seven fat, sleek cattle coming up out of the marshy Nile Delta. Then seven ugly, gaunt, starving cows coming from the same river, and they devoured the seven fat, sleek cows. Now, Pharaoh awoke, perhaps thinking that that huge meal he had before he went to bed wasn't setting too well in his stomach. Now, before long, he falls back asleep, and his dream continues. This time, he sees a stalk of grain with seven plump and healthy ears, but the seven lean ears that were scorched from the east wind sprang up and devoured the seven healthy ears of grain. Now, when Pharaoh awakes, he remembered what he had dreamed, but he was disturbed by it. Verse 8. Now in the morning, his spirit was troubled. So he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men, and Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Now, <clears throat> there's an interesting point here. The term translated magicians. When that word was originally translated from the ancient Hebrew scriptures into the Greek scriptures, the translators used the term that meant men versed in sacred writings. Now, why is that important? It's important because it tells us that these men were intelligent men. They were considered the wisest men in the land. They spent their time deciphering everything from Egyptian hieroglyphic texts to, to studying the movement of the stars in the heavens. But as wise as they were, they could not tell Pharaoh what his dream meant. So I actually admire their honesty because <clears throat> they could just have made something up but they did not. They, they simply come to Pharaoh and they say, we don't know what your dream means. Now, all of a sudden, the light dawns on Pharaoh's chief cupbearer. When Pharaoh heard that there was someone around who could tell him what this troubling dream meant, well, naturally, he says, well, go get this guy. Now, <clears throat> remember, Joseph knew nothing about what had been happening in Pharaoh's palace. He's no idea what was coming. He's back in the dungeon when suddenly the chains clanked and the bars moved and ropes lifted and he finds himself being pulled out of this pit. Now, Pause and imagine this long-awaited moment. 
it had been years since Joseph had been part of the real world. Consider the startling contrast from this dingy, damp dungeon to Pharaoh's palace. What a rush. There he now stands, freshly shaven, wearing a clean robe, and the Lord was still with him, as we see in his first response to Pharaoh. Genesis chapter 41, verse 15. It says, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream, but no one can interpret it. And I've heard it said about you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph then answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Pharaoh says, according to my sources, you are the guy with the answers. So tell me what this dream means. Now I'm going to make it worth your while. Well, hang on a second, Joseph says. I don't have the answers, but God does. Talk about humility. Talk about absolute integrity. This was Joseph's moment. He's in the court. Here's his golden opportunity to say, you realize, do you realize something? I could have been out of that smelly dungeon two years ago if that moron cupbearer of yours hadn't forgotten me. But instead of saying that, Joseph says, no, listen, I'm not the one who gives answers, but I serve a God who does provide answers. And we'll both listen to him, and he'll tell us. He'll tell us what he wants us to learn. And in fact, he's saying to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, there's a God up there behind those stars that your soothsayers, your magicians are always gazing at, but have no relationship with. That God alone will provide the answers. Do you know why Joseph could so be so humble and speak so openly? Because his heart had been broken. Because he had been tried by the fire of affliction. You see, while his external circumstances seemed almost unbearable during those, those years, his internal condition had been turned into pure gold. We're now witnessing the benefits of enduring all of that infliction with his eyes fixed squarely upon God. Throughout the rest of his life, from age 30 to about 110, that's when he died, you're not going to hear one word of resentment from his lips, not a feeling of resentment on his heart. Genesis 41, verse 25. Now Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has told to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one and the same. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven thin ears scorched by the east wind will be seven years of famine. It is as I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Behold, seven years of great abundance are coming in all the land of Egypt, and after them seven years of famine will come, 
and all the abundance will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will ravage the land. So the abundance will be unknown in the land because of that subsequent famine, for it will be very severe. Now, as for repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, it means that the matter is determined by God. And God will quickly bring about Egypt, he says. It's going to have seven years of abundance, bumper crops everywhere. But after that, you're going to have seven years of famine, which will be so intense that people are going to forget the days of plenty. Not only will this happen, not only will God's plan be carried out, but God's timing will be exact. God, God, God. All the way through the answer, Joseph refers to God. Instead of calling attention to himself, he's pointing Pharaoh to God. It's not I, it's God. You see, here is a man that has truly humbled himself under the mighty hand of God. Now, Joseph then adds a few words of counsel here in verse 33 of Genesis 41. Now let Pharaoh look for a man discerning and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Now, along with his recommendations, he gives some very specific words of advice for procedures that Pharaoh should follow. Now, Egypt was going to need a strict, a very well-organized rationing process. You need a good manager, a man of foresight, who can be trusted to handle the job. You need a good manager, he says. He, not, notice he never said, I'd like the job. After all, I interpreted the dream. I deserve the job. Verse 37. Now the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his servants. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is a divine spirit? So there stood Joseph right in front of Pharaoh, meeting all the requirements. But even then, when it seemed appropriate for Joseph to volunteer, he restrained. The king, however, well, he knew that Joseph was the man for the job. Verse 39. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and according to your command, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne I will be greater than you. How can you not be impressed with Joseph's self-control? Like, he refuses to manipulate the moment or drop hints. He simply stood there and waited. Somehow, in the loneliness of his recent years, abandoned, forgotten there in prison, he's learned to let the Lord have his way. Let the Lord have his way in his time for his purposes. <clears throat> If God was in this, well, then God would do it. And that's precisely what happened here. God was in it, 
and God did it. And so Pharaoh says to Joseph, since God told you all of this, well, there's obviously no one as discerning and as wise as you. Therefore, I'm putting you in command of everything. The only person you answer to, the only person with more authority in all the land is me. You are second in command. You are now my prime minister. Look at that. Do you know what Pharaoh saw in Joseph? He saw gold. So I can imagine Pharaoh, you know, he swept his hand out so wide as to include all the vast land of, of Egypt. He says, it's all yours, Joseph. It's all yours. And he takes his ring and he puts it on Joseph's hand. And along with this, Pharaoh gives him garments, fine garments of linen and places a gold necklace around his neck. He was even given a royal chariot. Just imagine, only a few hours before. There's Joseph, scruffy, ragged, forgotten, a prisoner in a dungeon. Now, he's wearing royal garbs, a gold necklace around his neck, Pharaoh's ring on his finger, and he's riding in this fabulous chariot. This is a Cinderella-like promotion. It was incredible. But when God determines the time is right, that's exactly how God operates. Verse 46, look at what it says. Now Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. Joseph had been appointed, chosen, selected, prepared, and refined into gold by God. Have you ever thought, I wonder what Joseph was thinking at this moment. I believe he was saying to himself over and over, praise be to God, praise be to God. You see, the God of Joseph will stay beside you and me, during the dungeon days. He's not going to forsake us. He's not going to forget us. He's going to be there through the darkest night, quietly reminding us of the morning light. You see, God's promises, they're just as much for you and I as they were for Joseph. God's grace is still at work. His tender mercies accompany us from the dungeon all the way to the Pharaoh's palace. Let's pray. Father in heaven, when we are bruised and crushed by the blows of disappointment and unrealized dreams, may we discover that you have never left our side. And may we see your promises of hope at the end of that affliction, in Jesus' name, amen. Like we do with every program, we like to go out and source resources to help you, uh, to add to your spiritual library, to, to help you in your understanding of exactly what God's plan is for your life. And I'm going to offer you today a book. I'm sorry, I don't have a copy of it here with me. 
It's called Steps to Jesus. It's a, it's a, it's a small little book. It's a wonderful book. In fact, many people have told me that second to the Bible, it has been the most influential book in their lives. I'd like you to have a copy of that book, and we, we've offered it on the program before, and, and maybe you've already re, uh, requested a copy, and you have a copy. Why not request another one that you can give to a friend or a family member? It's a wonderful little book. It, it's free of charge. It's a gift. Uh, there's no obligation on your part whatsoever. If you've been receiving our gifts, you know that. If you'd like to get the book Steps to Jesus, here is the information you need. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Well, we've come to the end of another program. Thank you uh, so much for uh, spending these 30 minutes with us. I know uh, many of you do that every, uh, every single week, and we appreciate that. And, uh, we appreciate the calls that come in, and we can't always get to them. We sometimes get inundated with calls. Uh, we have volunteers answering the phone and so just be patient if you can't get through if you want to leave a voicemail or if you want to try calling throughout the week um, or, you know at off peak times right so during business hours throughout the week uh, we can take the calls um, then and sometimes it also takes a little bit of time to get the books or the magazines to you if that's the case we apologize uh, it just means that we ran out of stock and we've had to reorder them and so that sometimes uh, takes a little bit extra time. But if you're waiting on a magazine or a book, if there's an offer that we made that we seem to have missed you, don't hesitate to email me directly at bill at l4ltv.com and just say, hey, listen, I never received uh, this magazine or this book, and uh, we'll make every effort to get it out to you just as quickly uh, as we can. Uh, remember the website, l4ltv.com. Uh, the programs, the previous programs are all on there. This program will be on there just at the end of this program right now. You can visit the website and watch it, refer to a friend. Um, you can also uh, donate online. In fact, I, let me just thank some of the viewers that have called in after the program and have made a donation to the program. We truly appreciate that. That's how we keep this program on the air. I want to remind you of our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. If you subscribe to the YouTube channel, then what happens is every time we put up a new program, uh, you're going to get notified of that. Another website I want to refer you to is the missionnowcanada.com website. Uh, that part of our ministry encompasses all of our overseas mission work. So on the website, you can see pictures of previous projects, 
where we're going next time if you want to join us or if you'd like to donate specifically to the overseas mission work, you can do it from that website also. Um, they're giving me signs here that we've got to wrap up and get out of here. Uh, hope to have a chance to do this again with you next time. In the meantime, I'll be praying that God blesses you. Take care. Thank you.